I find myself tonight uh, weary. And I, I think it's important to share that with you. Um, because there is this uh, image, you know, maybe uh, even with, with uh, my particular um, personality or whatever it may be that that, that doesn't happen. I've, people have told me that before, like you're, you don't get tired, do you? Or, you know, you don't. No, I, I do. Um, and I am tonight. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm weary. Like I'm, uh, it's been a, a long couple weeks, um, an amazing couple weeks in, in, in some senses. But you guys, you guys know what I'm, I'm saying? There's just like sometimes you just, you just have this sense of, um, of weariness. So I think it's important for you guys to know that, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why here in a second, but when we started studying for this passage as a staff, um, I confessed to my brothers that uh, I was reading the words, but there was nothing hitting. Maybe you relate to that. Uh, I was like reading the passage over and over and over, and I, I have to be honest with you, and this will be uh, maybe to some of you damning to me, but like for a while, all I saw was blah, 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 you know, and you're like, but Mark, you're saying that about the scripture. I'm just being real. I was weary. I, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the text for what it was. Like I, I and uh, so I found myself even, even last night just crying out to the Lord um, for strength, for courage, um, and, and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened. And um, so though tonight I'm, I'm weary, uh, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, oh my goodness, uh, God is incredible amidst our weariness. And God is God amidst our weariness. And, and tonight I find joy in who he is. You guys know what I'm saying? So look, I don't know if you relate to those things. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like it's important for you to know that. Um, so listen, uh, we're going to go for it tonight. Go for it, okay? And uh, I, I would just, I would ask that you would come along with me. And um, I, I really believe in my heart that, that what God has for us tonight uh, can very well be eternally transformative. So let me pray again, and we're going to go. Sound good? All right. So, Father, uh, we come to you tonight in anticipation of the work that you will do. Not how man can craft his words, or not even how we could receive those words, but how tonight you could stir us how tonight you could draw us, how tonight you could teach us and shape us and convict us and ultimately, God, just open our minds and our hearts to the depths of your reality. So I pray that you would do that right now. I pray that my brothers and sisters would find themselves in places of vulnerability, transparency and honesty and, and I just confess to you tonight my desperate need of you. So guide us tonight for your glory and your awesome name and all God's people said. Amen. Our life is filled with uh, these. 
86,400 seconds. Uh, that's pretty good math by me, right? I, I, hope, I hope you're impressed. Uh, some of you are checking my math, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, I, please feel free to do that. Uh, 86,400 seconds. They don't feel like it, though. Uh, imagine a day if you were just to count every second, right? Like just one at a time, all 86,400 seconds. Do you feel like you'd ha- you would have a deeper appreciation for them at that point, right? If you went no sleep, no eat, you were just like, today is a second fast. Like, I'm just, I'm fast on the seconds today, right? Every single one of those seconds is, uh, is filled with uh, these. Next slide. It's, it's filled with these questions. What do I think? What do I feel? What do I do? How, how do I respond? I, I know we, we don't think that the seconds are filled with these questions, but in reality, uh, they are. Every single second, uh, we're being asked uh, one of these things, and maybe there is somewhat of a reprieve in our sleep, but, but every single waking moment, our life is filled with these. And because it's filled with these, here's what I've realized, next slide, is there is this overarching question that summarizes what's happening in the seconds, and that is, what is leading me in those things? In other words, like what I've come to appreciate from the text tonight is there is for sure something leading us. The question is, what is it? And then if there's something leading us, then that means there. Uh, that, that we're following that thing that's leading us. And so, again, the question therein lies, what, what is that thing? Now, I heard it this morning in a meeting. I've heard it thousands and thousands of times in my entirety. I, I've heard this uh, statement. Next slide. Spirit-led. I want to be spirit-led. I want my life to be led by the Spirit and all of its variations. Have you guys ever heard this? I desire the Holy Spirit to lead me. I mean, you can, you can cut, the, you know, cut it however you want to. I've heard, seen, written down, preached this statement an incredible amount of times, including one of the most famous choruses in our culture right now starts with this line, okay? A little oceans for some of you guys. Next slide. Check out the, this chorus. You guys know it. I'm not going to sing it. Spirit, lead me, Right? Where my, uh, where my trust is without borders, let me walk upon the waters, and on and on. And I'm like, I'm already like doing the worship sway. You know what I'm saying? There, if there's one song in our culture that like gives me the worship sway, it's this one. You know, like. So you said spirit led. I've said spirit led. We sing spirit lead me. We communicate spirit lead me. But can I ask you a question? Do you have any idea what that means? Do we have any idea what we're saying, what we're singing, what we're praying, what we're asking God for? We'll say, God, today I want to be led by your spirit. Do we have any comprehension of what we're really praying in that moment? My contention is not really. And so what started out as a very, very difficult passage to understand and interpret Uh, As I've said uh, previously tonight, all of a sudden the floodgates have opened because I, uh, from tonight's text, uh, want us to see what truly being led by the Spirit of God is. Does that sound like an interesting thing to journey through? I I hope so for you. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's right, chapter 2, my friends, okay? 
Started there last week. We're going to pick up and actually finish chapter 2 tonight. Well, we're, all, we're all of a sudden on record pace. All right. So I want, to, I want to start where we ended off last week. Because where we ended last week was how do we know that our lives are in demonstration of the Spirit? So it may seem like we're answering the same question, but we're really not. Okay, so here's the text that we looked at last week. And I was with you, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but he says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So everything that he was, it wasn't to come back on him for his glory. It was a demonstration of what the Spirit was doing in him. So last week we asked, how do you know when this happens? But tonight, how do we know when we're led by the Spirit of God? Here we go, verse 6. Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So it seems kind of like a paradox, right? Because last week he says, like, I don't, I don't come to you with wisdom. But then here in verse 6 he says, but yet among the mature we, we do impart wisdom. Well, question number uno for the bilingual is who are the mature? Okay, so later, even here in chapter 3, he's going to talk about mama's milk. And like, some, uh, like the, the sense of growing in our maturation. Is that what he means here? I, I've done as much research as I can about the word and, and certainly the context here. I, I really think he's, he's talking about the saved. Or we could even say uh, those genuine followers of Christ. So yet among the followers of Christ, we could say, we do impart wisdom. But look at this. Although it is not a wisdom of the sage or the rulers of the sage. Why? Uh, let me summarize the last couple weeks. There is a different kind of king who's leading a different kind of kingdom who is giving a different kind of wisdom. And all of those things are completely contradictory to the rulers of this age. And we could make that for us as well, not just in Corinth. There's a different kind of king. And thankfully for us, he's running a different kind of kingdom. And thankfully for us, he's giving a different kind of wisdom. It's a wisdom that's coming from a different source. So Paul wants them to understand this, to see this, so that they can celebrate verse 7. Look at this. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now the word secret, <laughs> it creates a lot of uh, conundrums in our heart, doesn't it? Like when was the last time someone said, hey, I want to tell you a secret, and it turned out to be a good thing? You know what I mean? Right? Like, when was the last time? Okay. Like, right? Like, normally, what happens is, hey, I want to tell you a secret. And by the way, you can't tell anyone, because if this person finds out that I just told you this, it's going to create a tremendous amount of drama. Right? Like, how many times is secret synonymous with awesomeness? Okay. Rarely. Rarely, right? But let me tell you a little something. In verse 7, the word secret here is synonymous with mystery, and both are synonymous with the person of Christ, like Ephesians says, that Jesus is the mystery. We sing the song, right? Sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity, and we go on to talk about Christ as the mystery. So what verse 7 says is Paul leaves verse 6 is, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, and that has been decreed, that is Christ, before the ages. We've come with a message of wisdom, and that message of wisdom is 
Jesus, the person of Christ, who is the fulfillment of all things, who is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, who is the fulfillment of everything. That's what he comes with every single minute of every single day. It's Christ. But Mark, like, how can that be all-encompassing wisdom? You guys have heard me say it here before. I believe your porn problem is a Jesus answer. I believe my weariness is a Jesus answer. I believe your marital strife is a Jesus answer. Like, it just, it keeps coming back to Christ. Well, Mark, how can that be? And I just say, he's either in all and, and for all and because of all or not. And so if he is all of these things, then every single issue that we have, it comes back to the answer of Christ. Now, verse 8 is his proof text. Look at this. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of, what does he say? The Lord of glory, which is huge. Listen, clearly, no one understood a different king from a different kind of kingdom with a different kind of wisdom because they killed him. So clearly, they did not understand, nor could they, what we're going to find out, that Jesus was, in fact, this Messiah that they said they were longing for. Jesus, again, was looking at them in the face, and they yelled, shouted in unison, crucify him, crucify him. It's the proof text of what he's saying. There's a different kind of king. They couldn't see it. They didn't see it. They crucified him. But he adds the king of glory. Oh, they crucified him. Maybe even Satan or the enemy, a few applauses from the peanut gallery, but that crucifixion didn't win. It's the same thing I said at Dana's funeral on Friday. Cancer hasn't dethroned our God. It, it hasn't. It never will. Uh, death did not dethrone our king. Are you guys with me? Like it doesn't. It won't. It can't. He is king for all and in all. And so that's why Paul adds this about salvation in verse 9. Look at this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And everyone thinks that this quotation from Isaiah 64 is talking about heaven. You, you guys have probably, some of you, quoted this verse in the context of heaven. Let me bring into this, especially in the context here, I hope you can see, not talking about heaven. What is he talking about here? Come on, what is he talking about? Salvation. So now let's read it in that light. Look at this, Isaiah 64, a paraphrase of it. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man, man cannot even imagine how awesome the gospel is. Like, listen, man cannot even dream up how awesome grace tastes. You in your best moments in your flesh cannot even begin to fathom what mercy will do to your life. That's the truth of Isaiah 64. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared. Come on now. Now, can I get real with you guys? Is that cool? You're like, you haven't yet? Okay, listen, listen, listen. There are some of you, please hear this. There are some of you in this room right now, so against Christ. But this verse is going to become your verse, I'm telling you. Some of you. God has prepared something for you. He's prepared something for you that right now you feel so distant from and you cannot even imagine. And that is your heart welcoming in the love of God. 
And let me make sure you understand something. I've heard people say, I found Christ. Well, if you found Christ, then that means he was lost. But he ain't lost. He's not lost. So if he's not lost, then that means we are. And that means he finds us. So for some of you, listen, this will be your mantra. I could have never understood or imagined or thought or heard how awesome forgiveness would be. How incredible love would be. How much the body of Christ will teach me. I know some of you are right now, Mark, that's not me. And I hope that you remember those words. Because there are so many other people who sat in the setting in the seat just like you. And they're like, that's not me. And then all of a sudden, they watch the God of the universe change their heart and soften their heart towards him. That's what Paul is talking about to his readers. Now, now we're going to look like what the, the spirit-led life looks like. Now we're going to see it. Now we're going to unfold it. So let's start here in verse 10. Heavy, heavy stuff. These things God has revealed to us through the what? Through the Spirit. For, see this, as the Word of God, the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That's what the Spirit does. We're going to see three different things in this text that the Spirit does. Let's read it again. These things God has revealed the mystery of Christ to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So let's go ahead and make a bold statement from this text. Next slide, check this out. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Number one, without fail, the Spirit leads us to God's character. So when I say that I'm led or want to be led by the Spirit, I have to know where the Spirit is going. And one thing for sure, one place for sure, one direction for sure that the Spirit is going is to, the, is to God's character. Now, let's get real for a second. How, how many of you guys have seen Peter Pan? Okay, Peter Pan, and, right? The rest, the rest of you wake up, okay? Peter Pan, I've never heard of that. What are you talking about? There, there's a brand new Peter Pan coming out right now. I think it's just called Pan, okay? Some confusion with a cooking show, but it's not. It's Peter Pan. Now... Some of us believe that the spirit is like a fairy. Right? Peter Pan has a fairy in it, right? I'm, I'm, I think, right? What, what's the fairy's name in Peter Pan? Tinkerbell, okay? So I think that we think the spirit is like a little fairy that resides in our heart. Right? You know, so if, if you were to ask maybe some kids, hey, what's the Holy Spirit? They would draw a little fairy that like bursts forth from our heart, you know? <laughs> and listen, that's what some of you have the perception of. In fact, I'm going to be as bold as to say, I believe that's what most of us think. Oh, God, thank you so much for your spirit. It's so nice. Like, God, would you lead us? And, and, and you know, so the, the spirit is residing in us in some nice fairy form and fashion. God is Father, God is Son, God is Spirit. I've taught it many times before. 
the traditionalists in general didn't and sometimes don't want to talk about the spirit because they think it is associated with tambourines and gifts that they'd rather not explore. The evangelicals are kind of like, you know, they're kind of in the middle. We focus on Father God, I don't know if we can explain when God wipes out man, women, children, the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll kind of mention it because we feel obligated to, but I'm not really sure. Listen, if you don't believe that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, then let me just make this statement. You do not believe in God. You've created a God, then that's convenient for you that you can understand that makes sense to your logic. That's the beautiful thing. My kids say, you know, how can God be three in one? It's a mystery and it's awesome, right? Like, I, I, can't, I can't logically make the argument to my kids. But that's the beauty of it. His ways are higher than mine. His carrots are higher than mine. Like, I can't, I can't delve into the depths of that. My kids laugh at that. Like, God's three in one? That's hilarious. I, yes, but it's awesome. Okay. But I want every single one of us right now to kill the mentality that the Spirit is a fairy. It's the Godhead, and what Scripture says is, at the moment of your conversion, you're sealed with it, gifted it, given it. And so one thing that the Spirit is doing is leading us to the character of God. It's going there, the depths of God. Many of you are like, but I don't, I don't feel like that. If that's true of the Spirit, and if the Spirit lives in me, then, then why does that not seem true for me? We're going to get there tonight. But I want to make no mistake before we move on. Are, are we all seeing the text like I am? Okay? The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I can't make that say anything else. That's what the Spirit does. So tuck that away. Let's keep going. For who knows, verse 11, a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. Beautiful. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And what he's saying is, so you should really celebrate then. Because if the spirit is going to take you to the depths of the character of God, then for the love it would be a good thing to be led by the Spirit. The character of God would envelop us, would draw us, would, would, would not just convict us, which is why some of you are fearful of that, right? Because you've been drawn to the very presence of God's character at times, and it caused so much conviction that you were like, I'm just going to stay back here in my happy place, right? If I get too close, if I see too much, if I understand too much, then all of a sudden I see myself for who I really am. But my friends, the character of God is a place of refuge. Okay. So now the second piece of what it looks like to live directed, led by the Spirit, verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Hello. Hello. So the Spirit is leading us to God's character, but also, check this out, the Spirit leads us to the gospel. 
That's where the Spirit's going. To the gospel. To the good news of what the character of God has done. The character of God sent his son Jesus. That son Jesus became perfection, the perfect Passover lamb, scripture says, became righteousness for us. So then through his death, bloody death, horrific death on a cross, and his walking out the tomb three days later, by relationship with Christ, we have relationship with God. That is where the Spirit, by the second, takes those who are led by the Spirit. Is, is this exciting, anyone else? Like, like this kind of life? If you could think on the reality of the gospel every single second of every single day, like, would you want that? Or would you say, nah, like, I'd rather not, actually. I'd rather be engulfed with, with this, you know, pleasurable thought or with this commercial or with this anxiety that I think about it. The beauty of the gospel over and over and over rattling around, not just in our heart and in our head, but coming out of our life, like, isn't that the thing that would breathe life? And I'm, I'm just telling you, if you have the Spirit in you, that's where the Spirit's going, period. The Spirit-led life is going to the gospel consistently. It's beautiful. And finally, and maybe we could even say most significantly, I'll check this out. And we impart verse 13. This in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now you can see why this was a little difficult at first. Okay? Because I just, I like kept reading the succession here, and until the Lord just opened the floodgates, I was like, como se dice? You know, like I, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting it. But then all of a sudden, I started seeing the beauty of what the Spirit is. And so the third piece of this, of the Spirit-led life, the Spirit leads us to the truth, and we could add the interpretation of Scripture. Or we could say it this way, the Spirit is illuminating the Scripture. But Mark, I'm a young Christian. Yeah, I know. I know you are. And unfortunately, like... Like maybe you're, you're hanging on to that a little bit too much. Um, but Mark, are you saying that like I'm going to like, boom, I get the spirit and all of a sudden like Revelation 18 makes complete sense? I, I'm not, like I'm not going that far. But I do want to make sure we understand like where is the spirit going? The spirit's going to guide us into all truth and God's given us his word. So that means as you're reading it, even as a new believer, you have God in you. Is that not a mystery? Yes, it is. I'm like completely adhering to that. It is a mystery. But it is why, for some of you, all of a sudden you find yourself reading the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount in the early parts of Matthew. Because someone told you that's where you should read. And so you read that thing and you open that thing and you start watching Jesus teach the Lord's Prayer and the like. And all of a sudden... You have this unbelievable revelation, not inspiration, this unbelievable revelation. You like stand up. You've been a Christian all of like 48 hours. And you had read the Lord's Prayer before. You've said it before in all the religious ceremony. 
But now all of a sudden, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you stood up and you like started dancing around, right? Like the Lord showed you something in the text. Well, how does that, how does that happen? Was the song at the right volume? Like, was the scripture, you know, all of a sudden written with an airplane in the sky? No, the spirit of God in you was interpreting the text that you were reading. It was illuminating the scripture. Why would we run from God's word then? Well, because it didn't, it didn't interpret it yesterday, Mark. I was reading it and I was waiting and God did not interpret. I didn't hear no voice. I didn't get no phone calls. I didn't get a text from the Lord saying this is what Revelation 18 means. Listen, if he spoke sometimes, would you hear him? The same people who, who tell me, like, I haven't heard from God in a week. I'm like, have you listened? Well, what do you mean? No, I mean, ha- have you listened? I believe God's answering all prayers. Uh, we've been taught to only celebrate the yeses. But God says no a whole bunch. Amen? Like, some of you are a testimony to that. Oh, he said, a, he said no a lot. <laughs> right? Right. So listen, I want to explore now. Why these things feel weird to us. Because we're like, all right, if these things are what it means to be led by God's spirit, then why do these things not seem consistent in my life? Why does it not feel like I'm, I'm like growing in my understanding of the truth or growing in my understanding of God's character? Next slide. Check this out. Here we go. Galatians 5. That's right. Some would say Yahtzee. At least I would. Verse 16. But I say, says Paul, walk by the Spirit. Okay, all right. What is he saying? Walk led by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Walk by the Spirit and you, what is it? Will not. And we already were like, yeah, I don't think so. Will not, that seems a little strong. Will not kind of maybe, right? Like we want exemption clauses. God, give us an out. Okay. So let's read it again as if it were God's word and true. Okay? Here we go. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Where is the Spirit going? Where is the Spirit leading us? I'll I'll tell you where it's not going. That's why Paul can boldly say, if you gratify, like if you're if you're gonna walk in step with the spirit, it's going to be in opposition of where your flesh is headed because the spirit is going somewhere. Okay. For the desires of the flesh, look at this, are against the spirit. They're not even in the same parallel. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay. I read the opening of Galatians. You know what it says? To the church in Galatia, which means what? Who is this letter written to? It's it's written to believers. So is is he like giving them an out here? Is Is he talking to the disingenuine believers? No. What I think Paul's doing is what he talks about in Romans 7 and 8. We are in a war. Our sins have been crucified on the cross of Christ. We've been called to walk as those who have now been healed in step with the Spirit of God. But oh, the old man. The old man rears his or her ugly head, as it were. It feels like we're just, we're in this war, and this is the war. But if you are led by the Spirit, you see it? Led by the Spirit, 
you are not under law. And this is when everybody in the church gets up and starts giving the Lord a standing out. Don't do it now because it would be contrived, but this is what would happen. And not FCA, like where they do, oh, no. Like, I'm talking about, like, full-on, hardcore dance like David danced. If we're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And that, to an Israelite, if they understood the gospel was an unbelievable freedom. He's not done in this text, though. Check this out. Next slide. Now, uh, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, in case there was any confusion. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I don't even have enough fingers. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned, warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at this in form. Okay? Next slide. Next slide if you can there, Andrew. So here we are, believers. If we walk in step by the Spirit of God, it is leading one way. And if we walk based on the desires of our flesh, it is leading the other way. Now, do you understand why some of you are exhausted? Now, my particular weariness this time, I hope and pray, doesn't come from my sin, but comes from several things we've been journeying through here. But there are times where our exhaustion comes from this war. We say with our mouth, we want to be led by the Spirit. But instead, we are being led by the flesh. We know that the Spirit gives life. We have sensed it, lived in it, experienced it before. But for whatever reason, we can't like get our head above water. We feel like we're drowning. One of my favorite lines in any song ever by my favorite band, Bleach Somebody, all right? All right? From the 90s, some of you guys, hardcore Christian CCM rockers from the 90s. Here's what one of the lines in Bleach said. How did I get here? Save me from this. Like, do any of the rest of you feel that way? How in the world did I get here? How did I get entrapped in this? How did this sin become so, like, how did I get here? You, you finally, like, wake up, right? And then your only thing to do in right hope is save me from this. I have nothing else. This is why we're exhausted. Now, um, I want to build on this. But first, let's finish this chapter. Verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The natural person here, this isn't like person that doesn't wear makeup, okay? I, I want to make, sh- make sure we're understanding something, all right? This is, right? The natural person here is the non-believer. We say all the time here that we can't expect non-believers to do believing things. I hope you understand why, okay? The, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Again, the proof text was a whole bunch of people who claimed to be followers of God and then killed him. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is, look, not 
able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There's a reason sometimes, and I know you get frustrated, right? Where, where you're, you're wherever, you're in the grocery store, in the golf course, in your family gathering, and I mean, you're fired up about the gospel. The Spirit has led you there. Like you're being reminded about the gospel and all of a sudden you just feel emboldened and you start sharing with that person that you love so dearly about the power of Christ. And you're sharing your testimony and you're tearing up, right? And you're, I mean, you're just in it. You're like pulling up your pants and you're going for it, you know, right? And then at the end of of it all, the response from the person, I appreciate you sharing that. That's nice. And they turn and they begin texting. And you've just spent 30 minutes pouring out like the very being of your heart. I mean, you're just laying it all bare. Oh, that's good. Thanks for that. I'm going to go have some French fries. Like it did. And in that moment, haven't some of you experienced some tremendous frustration? We shared this last week. You don't save anybody. That's the first release. Okay? I can't like... I can't make anyone come to Christ. Many of us have tried. No, you will go to church six times <laughs> in a row and for trade, right? You like Some of you like barter with your friends, you know? You come to my church and I'll go to, you know, whatever. I'll, we'll go shopping, you know, like this weird like barter game, you know? Okay. We don't save anybody. The natural person cannot understand The spiritual person judges all things, hear what he's saying here, but is himself to be judged uh, by no one. This this doesn't mean that judgment won't happen. It just means that we've been in Christ justified. And so if we've been justified, then that means the gavel has swung. And in Christ we're seen as innocent. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And finally, verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But some of you have really tried. Right? Some of you, like in your communication with the Lord or in your belief system or in how you live it all out, you would love to have about 20 minutes with God and just tell him how he could do some things better, right? Come on. Like, this is how some of you pray. God, listen, I I saw how that worked out. It didn't go so well for you, God, you know? So listen, we'll we'll figure this out together, okay? I'm going to go ahead and write in my journal so it feels a little less abrasive. I know you can read it. I'm going to step back a little bit so your angle's good. God, I'm going to share these things. If you go ahead and implement these things, I'm guaranteeing you, God, it's going to be all good. There's a different thing happening, though, when Paul says, because, but we have the mind of Christ, but we've, we have something else. We have something more. So what does all this mean? What are the implications of this? How do we understand our standing then? Well, here's the promise. Next slide. Check this out. Romans 8. Verse 14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's a good thing. So first I leave this text and say, okay, I want this. 
I want to be led by the Spirit. I want my life to, to be in step with it. And the promise is that if I'm led by the Spirit of God, that I'm a son of God. We see only four mentions in the entire New Testament. We've already seen two of them where being led by the Spirit happens. The other two are the same story when Jesus was what? Anybody? Led by the, led by the Spirit to where? To the wilderness. Okay? So that happens. Uh, we see the Spirit fall on Peter and 120 at the Pentecost. Uh, Jared, are you in here? Jared, Pastor Jared, you in here? Okay. You're, I, I didn't study this, and maybe if you can affirm this or someone else here. I did as much research as I could quickly because it, it was a last minute thought. But I don't see any places in the New Testament where Peter quotes the Old Testament until the Spirit gets on him. And if you've read his sermon in, uh, in, in Acts 2, he just drops interpretation of the Old Testament all over the place. Is that, does that sound accurate, at least close? I got a thumbs up from Jared. That means we're all good, all right? All right? All right. So if that's true, if that's true, then do you guys see what I'm saying? Because what does the Spirit do? It leads you into the interpretation of Scripture. It leads you to the character of God. What happens, hold on, to a part of the Trinity in Jesus when he's led to the wilderness? What happens? The, Satan steps at him, and what does Jesus do? He quotes the word three times. Talks about the power of the character of God. Now, again, he's a piece of the Trinity, so we could say he has a little bit of a leg up, right? But, but it's yet another revealer of those things. So then all of a sudden, we're back to this. Now, are you guys ready for this? What if? What if tonight there was a complete shift of thinking? We have the mind of Christ. And what if part of that shift in thinking was all of the times that we said, I want to be spirit-led. All the times that, that said, man, if the spirit could just lead us there. All the times that we've sang, spirit, lead me. What if tonight we embrace the truth that said the spirit is leading? The spirit's leading. That's true. And from this text, though maybe not an all-exhaustive understanding, the Spirit is leading us what? To the character of God. The Spirit is leading us to the gospel over and over and over. The Spirit is leading us to Scripture. We could even say the interpretation of it. That's where the Spirit is going. Is there a time when the Spirit is never not doing that? Double negative there, right? Like, is there ever a time when the Spirit is not doing that? Anybody? Okay. So if that's true, then what does it mean about the times that we don't see his character clearly? What does it mean about the times that we're not interpreting scripture? And again, I, there's all kinds of means. God's even given us uh, several means to interpret his scripture. And, and I, don't, I don't think those things are outside of the spirit. But what does it mean about the times, listen, where we've forgotten the power of the gospel? What does that mean? 
to me it can mean only one thing. And that's that the battle is causing confusion and disarray and cloudiness and distraction. And it means that our sin has not become a barrier to the Spirit because the Spirit is leading. It means that we have in our flesh started to say, I'd rather be led by myself. That's really what I want. I want to lead myself. I want to guide myself. I want to interpret myself. I want myself to be the good news. I want my heroics to save the day. I want my giftedness to be on display and on and on. And so if the old man, my flesh, myself, Scripture says even the natural person, if those things are leading me, we already saw it's in opposition. So then like the moments where I'm rubbing my eyes, like why is my heart so hardened? It can only mean one thing. Because the Spirit is leading us to the character of God, to the gospel, and to the scripture. That's what the Spirit does. My prayers are, are changing. Then from God, I pray that you'll help me be Spirit-led. To God, help me submit to where your Spirit's already going. God, help me repent from the passions of my flesh that I'm indulging in. God, bend my knee to the direction that you're already headed in. And that's what Paul means in Galatians just after this text when he says, stay in step with the Spirit. So all of a sudden, it means that we have a lot of processing to do tonight. What this does is this actually makes so crystal clear for all of us what the battle is and what needs to happen now. So what is it? What for you, what for you has become a distraction for this unbelievable spirit-led life that we've already been given in Christ. In what ways do you want to lead yourself? In what ways tonight, in all of your brokenness, could you just say, God, help me submit to you? I got to be honest, like there's even facets in my weariness where I, I just like I just like slump over like God I'm just I, I'm done I can't even I can't even God muster the strength to even like begin to understand these things and then I was reminded yet again of where the spirit is going and where he's taking us together that is people who are led by the Spirit of God. Let's stand together. Come on.
can't make any of us break, can't make any of us repent. But I hope tonight some of you see why you're exhausted. Again, there's exhaustion and weariness that comes from our journey in life. And then there's, there's some that comes from our sin. What if tonight God just broke you in half? Some of you haven't wept over your sin in months and weeks and years. Could you tonight just see the Spirit of God as not a fairy, but as a piece of the Godhead that is gifting us with this daily reminder of what we've been saved from and who we've been saved to? So, Father, break us. Break us, God. Help us, help us stay in step with your spirit. Help us, God, submit to where your spirit is already going. I pray, God, that as the war wages on, that we celebrate victory that we have, that our sins have already been crucified on the cross of Christ. Give us right now that sense of victory in the face of our addictions, in the face of our self-centeredness, God, in the, in the face of our struggling marriages, and in the face of all of it, God, that have become distractions to your character. So God, help us tonight submit to where you've already, already taken us, to where you're already going, to where you already are. Lead us by your spirit for your glory.